For tuning into the 489th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk with me, your host, Daryl D. Lane, as always, wherever you are, however you may be listening, I'll thank you for making me and this show part of your day, whether it be a Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iRadio, SoundCloud, Pandora, or whichever podcasting app or platform you may be listening to me via. Being recorded from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, per the new usual, going to have a great podcast for all you guys today, going to have Kevin Ryherd on the show, uh... He is the host of the uh, Simple Plays podcast, and we have a great conversation. We talk about NIL, college football, college sports in general. He kind of amplified NIL and just gave me new ideas about NIL that I personally didn't even know about. We also talked about his Dallas Cowboys fandom growing up, uh, his dad playing against Tom Landry and his uncles. Also, we got into just NFL coaching and some of the NFL coaches he's been around and why he likes them, some of their philosophies, some of the things they've taught him. So definitely a football guy. Love it and really enjoyed the conversation having Kevin on the pod. And before we get to that conversation, I'm going to give my shameless plug as always. First time listener, thank you. But subscribe and follow right now. Also, share this podcast with your friends and family, whether it be Reddit threads, Facebook groups, etc., etc. Check on the description below, specifically if you use Spotify. I have everything timestamped. You can click on the timestamp and it will send you to whichever part of the podcast you would most like to listen to. Folks, it is for your convenience. Follow me on Twitter at NightTrain underscore Lane and subscribe to my YouTube channel. Just type in Daryl Lane and you will find it. I post 25 minute clips of this podcast right here as well as my syndicate show outside the shop. And lastly, if you have Apple or iTunes, give me five stars and a great review. And for some odd reason, right? Then fret not, worry not, folks. Just don't say anything because you know what your mama told you. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. And cut up next on the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. We're going to have Kevin Ryherd on the show. Cut up next on the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Barbershop Sports Talk, and we have a very special guest with us, Kevin Ryherd, host of the Simple Plays Podcast. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. How you doing? I'm doing absolutely fantastic. So the first thing I got to ask you is, so you're doing some stuff with NIL, name, image, likeness. Just kind of tell me what you have going on there. Yeah, hey, before before we do it, I will, absolutely. I got to give a shout out to our real show, Cody, the real host. Is, is Sid Thompson and you know just like any diva I gotta make sure I give him the love otherwise uh, he's gonna say hey why don't you run the next show and then it's gonna be you know half the performance okay so <laughs> uh, first and foremost shout out to, to my boy Sid you know I love you dog and I covered you on, on just the host part now we'll call him the the brains of the operation and I'll be the beauty how about that and yeah we the NIL, the NFT piece, you know, is, is one of these uh, just, I think it's it's terrific uh, on, on a level where uh, being a former athlete and, you know, be, 
years old, trying to figure everything out, going to college, to know that I didn't have to eat ramen the five years that I was doing it, okay? Because, you know, I'm one of the smart kids that stretched a four-year degree into five, all right? Uh, where, again, I call it a fifth-year uh, playing as well. But the, uh, the, the real reality is, even, even with the NIL now, uh, you've got guys that, you know, you don't have to be playing football. You could be in the marching band. Uh, you could be in the, you know, I think one of the, the really cool things is, is in the gaming side of, uh, uh, of NIL, as, as well as, you know, let's say you've got a special project. And, you know, I, I would be remiss to even try to put uh, a name on it. Maybe you want to do a fishing tournament. And, and then you create an NFT where your sponsors come in and say, yeah, we'll drop 120 grand on it for your fishing tournament. And now you've got a fishing tournament. So uh, that those are some of the, I think, the exciting pieces with NIL. Of course, whenever you've got something new on the market uh, or, or that's going to, let's say, take money out of the hands of the Habs, uh, we're now seeing... Uh, universities go, I think we need regulation. You're hearing the NCAA say, well, I think we need regulation. We just had a U.S. Senator, uh, John Thune from the state of South Dakota, say that he wants to make sure that it's all taxable income. And what I have to say to like guys like Senator Thune, and I want to be respectful, but I, but I also want to be stern when I say this to politicians that are looking at putting their hand in somebody else's pocket if you could tell me that you haven't made any money while you were in that office, then we could talk. But if you made money off your name, image, and likeness as a U.S. senator, you know, holler at me later, partner. You know, I mean, what basically what you're saying is, is it's good for me, but it's not for you. I, I disagree. I think that's what makes NIL uh, absolutely uh, a new 21st century kind of land. You can put a landmark here. This is where the bad kid, the the kid in the gaming department, and the quarterback they all be get they all might be getting paid about the same amount of money. And if you're working, I'm talking about if you're getting up at five, putting it in, going to the weight room. Why aren't you being compensated? Because the athletic department has that. And when you get into the 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 fabric of the maybe the belly of the beast, these are hundred million dollar operations and when you get to the very elite we're talking billions of dollars so if they can't break a little bread off for the ones who are putting that meat on the table come on who is really uh trying to keep this out of the hands of the have dots so uh while there's you know i'm a parent i had i had kids uh, i had a son to play collegiate football uh, I, I would have loved for something to happen like this, where you know guys get behind them. They may not be the best, or maybe they are the best. And people can say, "Hey, listen, I want to support this kid. I want to make sure he's not eating ramen. Um, he, you know, don't have to eat steak and lobster every weekend either, but certainly put something away and, and uh, you know start building on your future. It's hard to you, you can go to a bank and, and take out a hundred thousand dollars of student loan." You really can't go to a bank and take out a hundred thousand dollars to uh, start your own business, 
and the, the, those are the things that got to change, especially on the landscape where you know all, all these kids from different areas, different sets, different departments at the university, they start being compensated for the work they're putting in for free up to this point. So I'll, I'll, I'll do a hard stop right there. How's that sound? So the argument of amateurism, that doesn't move yeah. you too much? That they're amateurs? Yeah, well, basically that's that's saying, hey, we're going to get about 90 hours of free work out of you a week. <laughs> Which, you know, so, no, well... Well, but hey, how about this? What about this argument? People will say that's what happens for interns. Sure. Sure, absolutely. How long does an intern stay an intern? Probably a year, right? Two tops. Yes, not four. Four or five years. <laughs> and an intern department doesn't bring in what a, let's just say, a basketball, baseball, you know, football department. And, and it, when you get into the HBCUs, the, the music departments make some money, too. So um, I think when, you, when you're talking about, hey, does, does amateurism... Uh, so is it defeated? Well, amateurism has only been given a pedestal by the people that said, hey, listen, I think we can get 90 hours of free work for nine months out of the year. I mean, that works for a certain group of people. But if you're making millions of dollars in your athletic department and your kids are on food stamps, what's up? You kind of, where, where's the grudge? I mean, they're helping you out. I think it's time they reach back. And, you know, this is where you kind of complicate it, bring in the USA Olympics and, and, and you know, all of that. But uh, I think certainly when you've got other kids uh, in other sports that are kind of breaking through, if you're a violinist, if you're a cellist, if you're uh, in some other area uh, and you have a certain uh, expertise, we'll say, uh, they pay you. And, and yeah, your amateurism uh, might be a little bit smaller window than what, let's say, uh, a collegiate athlete that goes the, we call it the conventional route, it doesn't get paid until they're, uh, you know, a professional. That being said, that's also a very small window. Uh, going from collegiate to pro. Yeah, it's, it's like less than one percent of the national population. See, you know, in, in the areas of uh, of football, that's fifty three. But when you break it down to baseball and, and and you know, like the NBA, where there's what twelve guys on the on the squad tops, then that's even a smaller window with a smaller percentage. So, yeah, I, you know, I guess it's all of you know whether or not you want to define yourself as an amateur. And, and what is an amateur? You know, obviously, uh, you know, it's someone who isn't paid money. Well, okay. Uh, I remember my my kids playing NCAA 2006. Um, they were using... Uh, Name, image, and likeness. Yeah, that's why they... Guys like RG3, Johnny Manziel couldn't be on the cover of NCAA, of all those NCAA video games. And that's why they actually started to... Uh, blur out the name so there was no names they were just players just and players and they give them auto-generated names this really started with Ed O'Bannon and, and uh, uh, you know back there the day with uh, where he was talking about this video games but certainly like I said if somebody is profiting off of you and you're not getting compensated for it 
regardless of, you know, you can say pro or amateur or whatever, um, sounds to me like the ones who are complaining the most are the ones who would have to give up some of that cut. <laughs> and, and to them, I say, too bad. You, you've eaten long enough without having to invite anybody to the table. Yeah. Now, guess what? Uh, there's some other people showing up, and they deserve it. You know, they certainly, if you're putting in the work, you deserve to be paid. Uh, no, and I, I, for the most part, I actually do agree with you. Uh, and I think the good thing about NIL is uh, it's really kind of supply and demand, kind of like capitalism, what America's founded on, just what you're worth, right? If you're worth right. it to a business uh, to be advertised, to be commercialized, your products are worth something, you'll get paid it. If nobody cares for you individually as a product, then you won't make as much money in that kind of caps what people can make, like on Alabama. Bryce Young's making the most money out of everybody on Alabama. The third string center isn't making what Bryce Young is making. <laughs> All right. So. You know, it, it, and uh, even with that, let, let's move it down to uh, even the NAI. You've got coaches that only make $2,000, $3,000, $4,000 stipends for the season. Now, let's say. We could NIL you as a coach. Now there's, you know, you show up uh, at the car wash five uh, five times during the year for X amount of dollars that you guys agreed to. That money's put in. You accept the NFT. You're now engaged where you've now got a little bit more money in your pocket. And, and this is where, hey, listen, for the guys that are taking all of their time and they're trying to figure out a problem for every solution, I've got I've got something for you. It's this that we have to be kind of solution resolution people, and yeah, there are people that are going to put the problem in front of you. But simply put, you can also reverse it and say, "Hey, listen, here's some positives people need to look at." And I think this is where you know the conversation begins. Is not everybody has to be pro nil. Not everybody has to be anti either, but the conversation, they have to start happening. So number one, the kids, let, let's just, as you're, as you're kind of mowing and, and looking at this and clearing out the brush, who really should be in charge of what's going on? I, in my opinion, okay, it's, it's the player, the player that has the uh, support group around family, okay? They're going to be the ones that have that are going to be taken care of. Now they will always be taken care of because they have a support network. But there are a lot of kids that aren't aren't, aren't being brought up in you know the conventional house mom and dad. And you know those folks that are helping these kids along, uh, they need a little financial help. This is where NIL can come in. You know these coaches that are at the low lower you know tiers of the coaching, uh, you know pools or divisions where they're not making a bunch of money, they can go out and NIL. And it is about your hustle. It is about your marketability. And a lot of guys that I'm seeing right now, they might not be Jerry Rice, but I'll tell you something, they can talk, they smile real big, and they show up. And that's what people want to see. And, you know, it's, it's like a hometown hero. You know, we're a Division Two team in, in Nebraska, and we want... Uh, you know, we want our basketball players to show up at our car dealership, so they NFT it. Now these kids get a little bit more money in their pocket. Oh, and they're you know they're out in the community. 
it's a win for everybody. And, uh, you know, for those that say, well, now the kids got to worry about taxes. Hey, we thought of that. Come on over to simpleplays.com. We'll help you out. Simple Plays with a Z. That's S-I-M-P-L-E-P-L-A-Y-Z-E.com. And I said, I put an E on there. It's just Z. But when you come over and see us at simpleplays.com, uh, you're going to see that we have both the front end and the back end. We've got, I think, one of the most sophisticated NIL uh, attorneys. And uh, Corinne, shout out to you. Uh, that has, you know, it keeps us on track. I'm, I'm not a lawyer. I don't play one on What's... TV. You know, I was a coach. I was a player. Uh, I've been in professional athletics for around 22 years now. And uh, I understand that part of the game where it's no longer a game, it's a business. And really what we're doing is we're just taking what we've understood from collective bargaining agreements, unions, uh, the, the ability for uh, you to begin marketing and, and human resourcing and networking. We're just u- moving that down about five years. And... Uh, you know, I, I said five years, there's some kids out there making money at 15. They probably make more money than I do. So it, it is what it is. I, I ain't hooping anymore, so <laughs> I never did hoop. But anyway. <laughs> uh, What's the biggest NIL deal that you guys have signed, if you can say, or give an estimate? You know, I, I'll, I'll tell you something. Well over uh, uh, six figures, we'll just say that. And okay, okay. We're, we're due... And we've got some that are eking right now. And I can tell you that uh, when, when you begin to move into that seven and eight sphere, that's when you're bringing in some of these power five teams, you know, like the uh, the Alabamas and the LSUs of the world and you know, basically anybody in the SEC. So, uh, you know, and a couple of Big Ten schools for sure. I don't want to leave them out. They, they start feeling bad. The Ohio State University and Big House, Michigan, and all those cats. But, uh, you know, the, the biggest ones, you're going to start seeing, you know, half a billion dollars going. You know, I know that Oklahoma is giving $50,000 per next year to their football players. That's 120 dudes on a team. So, you know, we want to be part of that action. And at the same time, we want to be part of the action where the kid is at, you know, late college. And late college, you know, they're, they're giving out $1,500 a year, $2,000 a year, 3000 Any little bit counts. Nobody's going to throw money away and say, no, I don't want to do that. Unless they get a better deal, of course. And, you know, that's all, that's all um, basically matter of fact on the NFT. The NFT doesn't change. It's kind of like what Bill Parcells used to say. You are what your record says you are. So if an NFT is a $20,000 deal, it's not going to change to twenty-five. It's going to stay at twenty. That's legally and fiduciarily what they can do. So, uh, you know, if, if that school is only doing that, you got to go find one if you want more money. If that's, you know, uh, the bag. Uh, and every, you know, every situation is different. People could be looked at as greedy. Others could be looked at as the fact, I'm going to take care of my family, you know, while I'm doing this. So, like I said, every situation is different. And to have been around it, it's not like we've seen every case scenario, because we haven't, that'd be naive to say. 
but we've seen enough where we know that you can't just compositely put everybody into some stereotype or or, or generalization and say one size fits all. That's not going to work either. So, would you ever be in favor of college athletes getting a salary by the university, or do you think the NIL is just a good space for athletes to be? Yes, how do you say that? Because in essence, uh, we've talked about this. I mean, this is where my, one of my partners uh, would jump and go, hey, yeah, this is what we've been talking about. Um, when you become a state employee, you also get all the benefits of every other state employee. That, that goes with a pension, too. So here's what we say. You also get taxed like a state employee, too. Oh, absolutely. You're going to get taxed anyway. Uncle Sam's going to get his cut. Make sure you understand that up front. When you sign for $100,000, tax man's getting at least 43, you know, 400, well, let's see, 100000 he's going to get about $40,000 of that. And, and we can also tell you, you know, hey, there, there are ways to, you know, get your LLC, get your uh, nonprofit, and, and save back on some of those taxes, too. There are different ways to skin the cat. They're all legal, all above board. Just say it. If you start making money like that, you can start uh, using options. Just besides having, you know, things taken out of your paycheck. You, you can designate. You can, you know, you set up a, a you know, a trust, a 501c3. And uh, by rights, you can put up to a certain amount of money into those. So, you know, it's just another option, another couple options. And, those are things that we talk about over at Simple Place. So we've got NFL guys. We've got uh, two NFL, former NFL players. One's a Super Bowl champ. The other's a 10-year NFL vet. Eulish uh, Booker won a championship with the, with the Steelers back in uh, you know the late, late 2000s, not the 2010s, but the 2000s. And, uh, you know, Steve uh, Martin was, uh, you know, 10 years in the league. We've got... Uh, uh, an NFL coach, Randy Hanson, who's been with uh, the Vikings, Rams, uh, and, and Oakland Raiders, I believe, are the three teams he was with. And then we got a whole bunch of us guys, you know, where, uh, you know, I served as a chaplain with a number of different NFL teams, and I do a lot of freelancing with a whole lot of others and different players and coaches. Uh, we got a mentoring site called Influence Virtual Technology that uh, basically replicates leadership. Uh, state-of-the-art technology that replicates leadership, uh, you know, team building, any kind of on-field or off-field issue. And uh, we really feel like what we wanted to do was while everybody's looking at, well, how's a player that's, you know, 17 years old or 19 years old or 20 going to be able to make sound decisions? Well, what we thought is, how about if we give them the tools to make the sound decisions and trust them that they will? Because I believe this. Every person wants to get better. If you give them tools, they can keep what they have maintained while building for the future. And and that's what we wanted to give them. Not only uh, good advice about finances, but on-field, off-field, because there's a myriad. I mean... You break up with your girlfriend, you throw three interceptions, your whole world is over at 18 years old. Well, we're here to tell you after being through a few 
three interception games and a couple girlfriends. No, it's not. It's all in your perspective and, and how you work through adversity. And uh, that's all about having the tools and the skills to, to be able to go back and say, all right, where did I see that? Where's this information? Maybe help me grow. Maybe, you know, uh, in, in many cases, help me mature, become a, a little bit better uh, uh, with, with my tongue or maybe the way I, I talk to people or interact, maybe make an eye contact. A myriad, like I said, it's very robust. It's exhaustive. Uh, it's the best in the business when it comes to answering questions and, and as well as this. You don't have to do it on anybody's time but yours. It's right on your phone. It's right on your laptop. It's when you have the time to go through it so that you can absorb it. And then we'll throw a couple test questions on you to make sure that some of that information is retained. That's what influences. So what we're doing in Simple Place is giving the, the tools to make the best decisions, to put that athlete, that bandmate, you know, hey, that esports kid, whatever that kid is doing and, and getting NIL money for, to put them in the best position to be successful. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break and then get up next out of the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. We're going to talk a little NFL. Get up next at the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. The NFL action is in full swing at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. We're talking touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. Great deal, folks. Trust me. Check this out. In addition to the usual bets, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Like my Buffalo Bills coming back and beating Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens for Week 4 of NFL action. It's amazing. Nothing's better. To make things even sweeter, though, you can throw down on stepped-up same-game parlays once per game all season long. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TPPN to get $200 in free bets. If your team wins when you place a $5 bet on any football game, that's code TPPN. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Sports Talk. We still have Kevin with us. So, you're a Dallas Cowboys fan. Just talk about how the fandom started because you're from, you said, North Dakota, right? Yeah, you're going to get me beat up if you keep calling me a Dallas Cowboy fan. Uh, I was asked this earlier, you know, last week, hey, what's your favorite team? I said, I grew up a Dallas Cowboy fan. Okay. Uh, I now have, you know, I've got kids all over the NFL and buddies that are coaching. Uh, I here's what I do. If I've got two guys that I, you know, that are playing on one team, I usually take the ones that I have the most phone calls with. All right. So, like, if I if it's a two and a, and a one, I'm going with the two just because that's, it, you know, it's, it's more of a maintenance thing. Uh, I only have to make one phone call versus two if they lose. <laughs> <laughs> So, anyway, uh, 
you know, if I would say, yeah, I just follow players and I follow coaches, and 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 they play each other a lot. And uh, uh, what I what I really try to see is, you know, hey, listen, hopefully the product's really good. And some days it is, and some days, you know, they get called out by their media and press for, hey, why didn't you do that, or why did you call timeout, or you know, just <laughs> the things that football reporters talk about. You know, I've been in the business long enough to know that that's what sells. And, uh, you know, a little bit of controversy is a bad. I mean, shoot, you got Jerry Jones down in Dallas saying, I want a controversy. I can tell you Mike McCarthy is looking at him like, hey, Jerry, how about you own the team and let me coach the team? We're trying to bring trouble in the locker room, Jerry. (laughs) But Jerry also pays Mike McCarthy. So, you know, you're in a kind of a catch-22 with – you, you know, your owners trying to start a quarterback controversy. And, you know, coaches, they don't like distractions like that. They want they want everybody to be in, a, in an environment where they're learning. They feel good about everything. And uh, the, the ability to go out and, you know, put that all together on the practice field so that on Sunday, Thursday, or Sunday night, or Monday night, you know, they, they play ball. They're winning. They're executing. So, Anyway, yeah, yeah. Story short, yeah, I grew up a Cowboys fan, big Tony Dorsett fan. Love Tony Dorsett. I mean, that was my guy, and uh, still is. So it's really funny when you talk about you know coaching and getting annoyed at owners. The you know the those the age old adages. You know, if you don't like what the owners doing, own your own team. Then you can do right. that. Uh-huh. <laughs> until then, until then, it's like when. When when uh, Pat gets mad at mom because mom won't let him stay out late, it's like, well, you can get your own house, uh, your own running water, your own electricity, and you can do whatever you want. You can stay out till four a.m. <laughs> so it's like, well, business, but a lot of guys are like, yeah, I'm just trying to get through tonight. They're like, yeah, get your butt home, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, what were some of your favorite Tony Dorsett memories? Oh, hey, uh, the ninety-nine yard. Uh, uh, touchdown in the Metrodome uh, late in the game. They don't win it, but he gets 99 yards off a, a downhill block by Drew Pearson. Uh, Johnny Swain, who happens to be a friend of mine, uh, and Willie Teal was on that squad uh, in that backfield for Minnesota. That's one of them. Uh, the other is this. I, I just got to spell it out for somebody else. I'm six years old. Tony Dorsett is the Heisman Trophy winner. He breaks the record for the most rushing yards in a career at Pitt. He is uh, a national champion under Johnny Majors. And shout out to Gary Burley and some of those guys who played on that team because a lot of times they're forgotten. But that was a heck of a squad back in 76. And uh, and then uh, he goes, he's the number one draft pick in Dallas. I think he was number two overall in the draft that year, and he wins the Super Bowl with the Cowboys. Now, I'm at an impressionable age at that point. And my dad basically said, listen, um, we're from 10 miles away from Mission, Texas. My dad grew up in Donna, which is literally 10 miles of their rivals. So my uncles played Tom. My dad was a little younger than Tom in high school football. Oh, Tom Landry. Tom Landry, correct. Hey, you know, I'm 51 now. My, 
my dad passed away a number of years ago. He's 90 years old when he died. So this is, you know, Super Bowl. Gosh, it was a Super Bowl in Atlanta. So I'm trying to think if that wasn't 18, 18, 19. So anyway, uh, yeah, Pops was a big Cowboys fan, obviously in Texas, uh, which, you know, <laughs> when I say Tony Dorsett, you know, that. You can say Roger Staubach, Drew Pearson, uh, Ed Two Tall Jokes, Harvey Martin. You know, I love Everson Walls and Dennis Thurman and, and Ron Woods and, and uh, Doug Cosby and Rayfield Wright and Pat Donovan and Tom Rafferty. But my guy was Tony Dorsett. And, and, and Tony the Thrill Hill, Butch Johnson. See, there's certain, there are guys that you forget just for a split second. You're like, I better say it. Otherwise, you know, that's disrespectful. Those squads to me were, were uh, they made me cry against the Redskins. <laughs> and uh, I, I never became more prayerful than when a man by the name of Lawrence Taylor and, and a man by the name of Carl Banks and Pepper Johnson started playing those guys. Because so, the New York Giants were, were for real the on the on the end of what I call the Dorset years, they were just coming on, and they were they were some bad dudes, really bad. And, and I can't even say Philadelphia was there too. So in, in Washington, so <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was just good football. The NFC East was fun, you know. Is a you know if you didn't have to deal with Diesel, you know, then John Riggins coming through there. That's like two running backs, and he's got an attitude, you know. He, he, he wants collisions. You know, so if you're 160-pound, 70-pound defensive back back then, you're like, man, this is a business decision here. Do I want to play the next play? I think I'll just miss. You know, I mean, Diesel was a powerful back. You had, you had guys like LT that were, I mean, snorting and fussing on, you know, up and down the, the sideline. And probably the greatest defensive player maybe of all time. So, yeah, it was, a, it was a good time, man. It was awesome watching him. And, and, uh, and, and, of course, you know, you, if you have a guy that you like, you obviously don't ever want to see him get, you know, beat out. And uh, I loved Herschel Walker in Georgia, but when he became a cowboy, I was kind of jealous. Like, man, why are you doing my boy like that? You know? And, uh, uh I guess it is what it is. You started learning that, hey, listen, you know, there is a there is a uh, crystal, uh, you know, like a sad clock where it flips over uh, the moment you get there and, you know, your time is biting. You're, you know, you're not there forever. And, you know, when, when, uh, when Tony Dorsett was traded in 1988 to the Denver Broncos, I was hard, I was crushed. So, anyway... And you just a little bit, and I'm 51 years old. I was like, you know, 17, 16, 17 then. So I was like, man, I, I could never like the Broncos. They took my boy from Dallas. <laughs> little did I know that there are a lot of Cowboys that ended up in Denver, vice versa. So anyway. Landry, uh, and your dad played against him. Did your dad have any Tom Landry stories that he told you? My uncles did. My dad was, you know, a couple of years younger. And Tom was, I mean, he was a stud. Uh, uh, what's, what's fascinating is that Tom Landry always had uh, the Redskins as a rivalry, and I'll give you the example. Minus Texas, his time at UT, 
but uh, you know, the mission mascot is the Eagles. That's also where Coy and Ty Detmer went to school. So the Mission Eagles would play the Donna Redskins, okay? So all the way back to high school, you know, I don't know if you remember, you might be a little younger, but uh, Tom Landry did a uh, uh, an old Western scene commercial, I think it was for like a credit card or something. And, uh, uh, you know, he walks into this bar and there's these Redskins. He goes, you never know when you're going to be surrounded by Redskins. That's literally his whole life. He goes on to play defensive back for the Giants. Well, who's, who's their rivalry? I mean, this is uh, 40s and 50s. It's the Redskins, the Eagles, right? And uh, and then when he becomes, he, he, he spent uh, time in New York as the defensive coordinator. And, and uh, I think that was under Weeb. i got to check that. But the offensive coordinator was a guy by the name of Vince Lombardi. And when they, Vince goes to uh, uh, Green Bay, uh, Tom takes the head job in '60 uh, with the, with the Cowboys, and uh, guess who the rivalry is? It's the Washington Redskins. So, you know, the, just you know, Cowboys and Indians, and and uh, uh, you know, those are some of the best. Uh, like I said, best and worst. You know, the worst is you know when when uh, Riggins would just run all over. Jaworski would catch fire with Harold Carmichael and Wilbur Montgomery in the you know in the backfield. Uh, uh, and of course, you know, out in New York, you know, you had your your Phil Sims group that you know was breaking hearts too. So, yeah. So. We weren't worried about the Giants back then. I was going to say that. What about the Giants? I said we weren't really worried about the Giants. They they were really struggling early on. That's why they had to go get Parcells. So, yeah, and it's interesting too. So, for you, did you stop being a Cowboys fan then in the '90s? Because that was really when the Cowboys became really the Cowboys, right? I was in college at that time, but no, I was a Cowboys fan. I uh, it's not that I'm not a Cowboys fan. I should say that it's that uh, for the most part, my you have so many relationships that. It, it doesn't mean, maybe it's like this, it doesn't mean as much. I don't want to say that over the, <laughs> sorry, Cowboys. I, I still love you. i got a place for you. But if you lose, I'm not crying on my pillow. You know what I mean? <laughs> so that's kind of, and plus I'm a grown man. But and the other is this. i got friends all over the place who they're celebrating and they're heartbroken for losing. And, you know, I guess uh, at times the, the losses, they hurt, but, you know, as long as I'm not getting fired for it, I <laughs> I eat just as and sleep just as well. <laughs> now, a lot of people don't think that the Cowboys. Well, not a lot of people, because I wouldn't say this. Uh, a lot of people that I know don't think the Cowboys should be coined America's team because they're like, well, what have they done the see, last yeah, twenty, thirty years? What do you well, think about that? Well, let's see. You've got the purple people leaders. You've got the steel curtain. Um, a lot of people do the self-proclamation, you know, and, and, and rightly so. We're talking about name, image, and likeness, correct? So, you know, it's a little bit about the marketing. Uh, you can have anybody say that they're America's team. What's the first thing you think of when you hear America's team? First impression. The Cowboys. And, and just say that to you, but to anybody, I'll bet you a, a blue star flashed. <laughs> 
okay? That is, is what it is. Uh, I always go back to Parcells. That is what its record says it is. Now, they'll call each other America's team. Uh, they were coined that as America's team. I could certainly see, uh, you know, the Steelers, they travel well. Green Bay travels well. What I mean by that is when you go play them and they're the opponent, their their fans show up, okay? I mean, by showing up, uh, you can mess around and they're playoff bound, just like Philly, they'll, they'll show up too. Uh, and, you know, they'll buy up all the tickets from, you know, maybe your team is not going to the playoffs. They'll come in there and they'll take over that stadium for that weekend. And, and I've seen it happen, uh, which is, it's disconcerting if, you know, you're with the home team and there's more away team and they're halfway across the country. That, that will open your eyes to, wow, they really travel well. And there's some, like I said, Pittsburgh travels well. Green Bay travels well. Uh, they, you know, But I think also um, that's because, like, yeah. for example... Uh, some of this is regionality, like, like for example, let's just use the Bills, for example, because that's my hometown yeah. team. There's not a lot of Bills fans in California. For the Cowboys or the Steelers, for example, or the Packers fans, you could be uh, born and raised in Alabama and just be a Packers fan, and if you've never been to Wisconsin in your life. Yeah. The same Absolutely. with the Cowboys and the Steelers. So, I, you know, it's not always necessary that these teams are traveling, just that they're everywhere in all these pockets of the country. Right. Exactly. And, and, and the, you know, I'll give it to you like this. If I have three sons. The youngest son could care less about football. Okay, he's 20, he'll be 23. Uh, the older two, one of them is, the middle son is a diehard Cincinnati Bengals fan. So he's been, uh, he has been engrossed in mediocrity and defeatism all his life until <laughs> last year. Okay. And, and, and I mean, they, they caught lightning in a bottle. So, Tyus Ray, I love you, son. Uh, I'm proud of you for taking the, the Bengals. And the only one that could have outdone his brother was my oldest son, who is a Detroit Lions fan. Okay? And I got to tell you, I, I, I dig Dan Campbell. I think they've got something with Deuce Staley there, Antoine Randall L., Mark Brunel. Um, yeah, I, I, I want to give credit to, to Fraley because he's the offensive line guy. He's, hey, oh, I think Detroit is better than their – well, they are what their record is. I think they're better than that. And, and I think Dan Campbell's got them. I think they finally went out and got the right guy for the job rather than giving the job to who they thought the right guy was. They've got the guy that's got grit. He's a player's coach. Uh, it's still, Dan looks like he probably suit up a play after eight years of the league himself. So uh, I really like Detroit. However, you know they, they still they got a record like Detroit, one in, like four, I believe, one in three. However, I don't believe that's gonna that's gonna be the soup du jour. Uh, I really do. I, I, I like Dan. I I like the entire staff. I like the way that they interact with the players. I like the way they teach them. And the other part is this, uh, you know, I like to see uh, a team that's been you know, kind of squandered, living in squalor for, you know, in, in NFL jail for, you know, two or three uh, decades and boom, finally catches a little bit of lighting. What it does to a community, what it does to an organization, 
that's special. And I actually think, and I'll put my neck out there, I think Dan Campbell's going to bring that kind of wood, uh, you know, to Auburn Hills and the Detroit area. So hats off to Dan Campbell and those Detroit Lions. Hats off to Zach for actually staking behind at least 26. So you can tell what his years are. I mean, it's been slim pickets for wins and losses in, in Detroitville, you know. So, yeah. <laughs> I look at Cowboys fans and where I'm going. <laughs> I didn't raise any of them. And my dad only raised Cowboys fans. So, yeah, generational bit. So what we can do is we're going to take another break, and then I do have some more NFL questions to ask you because you've been around the block a little bit. So we're going to have that coming up after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Sports episode of Kevin Ryherd with us. So, I gotta ask you this. Uh, yeah. When we, when you look at your time just around football, who have been your three favorite coaches that you're yeah. like, they do things the right way? around Herb Edwards. I love her. Um, but, you know, I, I, I was around Lovey. I love Lovey Smith. Mike Tice broke me into the, the league. Um, I love Dick Verbeel. Actually, I almost tried to steal a Super Bowl ring. It's kind of a joke. Thanks, Greg Robinson, for catching me getting out of the cafeteria at River Falls. Uh, you know, the um, there's so many guys that when I think of that are doing it right, I, I love the way that Tim Crumry used to uh, coach the defensive line in Kansas City with the Chiefs. Um, and big shout out to Tim. I mean, in literally two days, he'd have his voice lost. He'd be using lozenges. And, I mean, you could barely hear him over a whisper and he's screaming. You can see the veins pulsing out. I, to me, it's guys that are, you know, teachers, they're, they're passionate. Uh, I always said that, you know, I got to watch one of the best offensive line coaches in the NFL uh, with Mike Tice. I got to hear him talk about him, uh, listen to him, uh, interact with him. I've got, I've got some funny stories even over the last couple of years. Uh, I, I'll tell you, the one guy um, that I think is probably paramount that never got the shot they should have, and if I could say shame on some of the NFL owners for overlooking him, probably one of the best teachers, uh, NFL dude, dudes, uh, coaches, uh, respect him, um, players love him, was te- is Teddy Cottrell. You know, Teddy just turned 75, uh, you know, in June, and, you know, see, I don't know if he'd ever – you'll come back full time and maybe he would, but um, I was a young coach. This is before I ever, you know, got to uh, join any NFL club, even as a hang around, you know, was uh, I was coaching division three ball 
and uh, I was learning the uh, the thirty four defense. And Teddy Cottrell was working for Herb Edwards, coincidentally, in New York for the Jets. And I called up the Jets organization, and I talked to Ted Cottrell for two hours while he walked me through that. And uh, I knew it after that. So I was I was with the Vikings as a chaplain uh, after uh, George O'Leary left for Central Florida, and we needed an, a defensive coordinator and Teddy's name came up. And now listen, man, I got no juice in the NFL. This is my team. Literally, Mike Tyson's my friend and has allowed me to, you know, to join them as a chaplain because I, w- I wouldn't stop bugging him about it, first of all. And I think he just said, just shut up, show up so you shut up. And, and that's what broke me in. But the, when, he, when he said Tank Control was a candidate, I told him this story. I said, that's my guy, Tank Control, right there. And uh, uh, when I see, uh, you know, I, I look at a lot of other things, the way the players, you know, talk about him. He just celebrated his 75th birthday. And, you know, I got to hear guys do Teddy Cottrell stories. And Kathleen, I love you. That's Teddy's wife. And, you know, all the babies, you know. The one that I'm sweet on is the one that's actually across the pond. She married an Englishman uh, named, uh, her, her name's Kia. All those kids, I've watched them since they were little kids float through Winter Park. Now they're adults and have their own babies, you know. And, and uh, uh, But I would say probably uh, get to know um, guys. Ted Cottrell was my guy that I thought he, he should be a head coach. He should have been a head coach 20 years ago. And, and you know, he's, he's been a coach. He, he's been at the UFL. He, I think he did some uh, – uh, Oh, the new one that was on CBS a number of years ago. He was doing that one. Uh, and, of course, he's a regular guest, you know, throughout NFL teams during training camp. But uh, he should have been given – probably, the, like I said, the guy that had all of those uh, – he had all the intrinsic. Plus, he was a player in both Canada. So he knew that as well as playing in Kansas City with the with – the, uh, uh, with the Chiefs, and you know he's a product of Rutgers University, the the College of New Jersey, and uh, I just, you know, I can't say enough about Ted Control. I, I thought that was, yeah, obviously I was, you know, I know I was in uh, Dallas in, in eleven, and you know Jason Garrett was there. I love Wade Phillips. Um, my boy Brian Baker was working with Leon Lett, and, and growing up a Cowboys fan with with the nineties. You know about Leon, and nobody tells a better Leon Lett story than Leon Big Cat Lett. We just say it like that. <laughs> so, yeah, he, the, the first one would be Teddy would be my guy that you know, and and, and I always say hat tip to to uh, to Mike Tice. Thank you, you know, because you, you owe loyalty to the guys that you know you bug enough to then say just show up, shut up and show up, you know, so- and. Uh, and, and then there's, you know, there's at third, there, there's guys out there that, you know, our offensive quality control guy is now, you know, Todd Downing, uh, who's the offensive coordinator in, uh, in, in Nashville, you know, in Tennessee with the Titans. So, and, and I love watching those guys. I mean, and I think back and go, wow, you know, they've really done a, they've done a great job. And, and I think Todd, uh, 
is another guy that should get the nod for a head coaching job soon. I, I think it's overdue. Uh, the offense coordinator in Tennessee is the offense coordinator in Oakland uh, with the Raiders. So uh, I'm, I'm waiting to see that generation. And then, you know, uh, it'll be our kids. They'll be old enough to be coaching in the NFL. And, and uh, that's so. You know, so I'll, I'll start being a fan of, of the second, third generation. So kind of like Antoine Winfield and watching Antoine Winfield, coached by my buddy Kevin Ross, who was with us coaching Antoine in Minnesota, now coaching his son in Tampa. How about that? So that that's where we're at in life, you know, where <laughs> some of the guys, they're out of coaching and, and you got this old generation coming in saying, uh, we got something to prove, so. Yeah, I think that's the, the flavor of life now. With Teddy Cottrell, uh, and you mentioned being on the phone with him for two hours and talking about the 34 yeah. defense. What did he teach you about the 34 defense? So what he taught me was that, you know, you can live and die with the with the uh, 34. Because you can make it a 52, which means you take your outside linebackers and you pitch them up on the line of scrimmage. That puts two less guys uh, back there behind the the uh, defensive line is a barrier uh, for a running back who, if they break that, that first level, uh, you have two less guys to tackle them. And you're putting a lot of abuse on a, uh, <laughs> on a, on a safety or a free safety that might be giving up some weight to a fullback tailback that runs a 4-4, and, or I should say a 4 like a 4-6, 4-7. And, you know, it hurts. <laughs> And, and you might lose a couple guys doing that. Uh, the other is this: you you got to change it up. You can't just uh, blitz your two linebackers because then if you're blitzing your linebackers, uh, there's nothing at the second level in a 52 defense. So that means everybody's rushing the line except for your two safeties. If you're in like a a cover two or a cover four, or you're in singles, and you know, beat it. They'll gas you. So you have to be proved about uh, when you put blitz packages in, and that's what I had called him about. Was I, I was you know we ran a four four in college, and we ran a a uh, a four three at one of the universities I was coaching at before that. So when we started running this three four fifty two, uh, you know I needed somebody that had seen the good, the bad, the ugly about it. And uh, there was nobody better than, than Ted Cottrell. Like I said, I was a nobody. And, uh, and Teddy just, he opened up, gave me two hours. That's a lot of time, NFL time. I mean, he basically, he took his entire afternoon break before he went back into talking more about football to his players. And uh, I've never forgot that. I owe a great dad to him for that. And, and, you know, what's even better is I got to greet him when he got to Minnesota. And, uh, you know, there are guys that you just, yeah, I, I could say you, you, you love. I love Ted Cottrell. I love his whole family. I mean, and they're just they're just good people. And they now live in Atlanta, you know, I say semi-retired until somebody writes him a big coaching check, you know, again. But uh, Kathleen and Teddy, I love you guys. And, uh, like I said, uh, you know, you meet people that, they talk on the phone one way, and, and then you meet them in person, they're different. That's not Teddy. They, he, 
at all. I mean, in fact, the last time I talked to him, he's doing the whole rev, 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 rev. You know, that's my nickname. And so he was just kind of saying, I ain't talked to you in a minute. And then when you do call me, you want something. <laughs> so it is what it is. <laughs> I love it. That's my guy. What did you learn? Uh, what did you like about Lovey Smith? Because you mentioned Lovey, too. Now he's so a coach in the NFL again. Unassuming, and uh, you know, my time just watching him at camp in, in Chicago with the Bears. Uh, you, you get guys that, that that get it and and articulate a, a game plan. Um, the biggest thing about head coaching uh, is you never want to get too high or too low because on your emotion runs you know an entire organization. There are a lot of guys that get manic depressive. Uh, you know, like if we win, yay. If we lose, oh boy, I might need to, you know, go in for a 72 hour watch at the mental health clinic. It, it could get like that. And uh, what, what I saw was, was someone that, you know, even with some of the circumstances that were going on at the time, you know, either uh, with management of, of coaches and players, etc., cetera, uh, he, he never changed his. Uh, uh, you know his 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 uh, demeanor. Uh, he very he's almost like a dad. You know now he, he, he looks more like a dad with that big gray beard down in Houston. I mean, yeah, I think he grew that when he was in Illinois. I'm like, lovey, look at you. You know, I feel like this makes me want to come talk to you more. You know, so stuff like that, man. How do you feel about the NFL kind of venturing more to offensive minds as coaches and kind of forgetting about, you know, the defensive guys? Because you kind of mentioned guys like Herm Edwards, Luffy Smith, uh, Cottrell, guys who, you know, came up on the defensive side of the ball. And now it seems kind of like these young hotshot offensive minds are the ones who are getting the jobs. You know what? Not for long. And, and, and what I mean by not for long is, is uh, you know, hey, listen, you could be the bell of the ball one day. And the next day, you could be old Bob, okay? I mean, this is National Football League. Grown man things happen here. And, uh, you know, I like the fact. I, I, I like the kid, Kevin O'Connell, uh, who's now the head coach. He was, you know, he's with Sean. Uh, Sean's a young whippersnapper. Uh, you've got the kid Stefanski out, at, you know, in, in Cleveland. He started uh, as an admin for Brad Childress with the Vikings. I mean, I love those stories. Uh uh, the other one I'm just getting a hold of is, is the kid down in, uh, he's tech, he's, well, I'll tell you what, he is catching a lot of flack for that. Uh, to a total of via, uh, Mike McDaniel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like Mike McDaniel. Now, Mike McDaniel doesn't look like a football coach to me. I'm not, I'm not dogging the man. I'm just saying he looks like he could sell me an insurance policy. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, these cats, uh, you know, and I'm old. It's, it's, it's crazy when you, you kind of hit 5 and you look back and go, man, that's 25 years ago when we are doing that. And some of these guys, you know, they're four, <laughs> five, ten years old. And uh, now they're, they're running programs. I like it. I'm going to tell you, uh, I like it because I like I like offensive football. You know, defensive guys, Teddy probably going to call me and go, Rev, what are you talking about? You're just a chaplain. Anyway, the bit is this. Uh, I like the the way the excitement, but the other part is this: that's going to change. Everything in the NFL is is like a cycle. You know, you uh, 
you end up with you know this formation. They used to run the run and shoot. Now you don't even hear about it anymore. They used to run the the box tee, the wing tee, the the two back set. Heck, the fullback has almost been completely drawn out of any you know offensive playbook, and it's like a dodo where you know it's an extinct creature. Uh, you know, like where's Daryl Moose, Moose Johnson? Where's you know uh, Craig Ironhead Haywood? Where's uh, Oh, uh, Lorenzo Neal, you know, where are the fullbacks at, you know, the Mike Allstotts. Hey, those are H-backs now. They play tight end. They split out, you know. Those are Greg Olsons of the world. And, you know, more power to it. But eventually, just like anything, they'll come back. You know, do we ever see the John Riggins? Yeah, I love John Riggins, by the way, even though he made me cry a lot. Uh, but do you ever see those big, pounding fullbacks? Well, I believe you will. Do you see him tomorrow? Probably not. But this NFL game is one of those where it's between the haves and the have-nots. And right now, nobody has a Mike Hall stop. You know, they've got a Derrick Henry, don't get me wrong, but you watch, you keep putting guys that big, single back, they get beat up a little bit. Because guys, that's a lot of body. They're taking shots at those men. And, uh, you know, everybody's got a pitch count. And when you start taking hits to your thigh boards, to your hips, you know, there's only so many you get before, you know, something happens. So th- those are some of the things that I see, uh, you know, with the young guys. Uh, yeah, I like McDaniel. In fact, I'm, I'm a fan because literally he'd be a guy that he'd walk up to me or I'd walk up to him and I'd say, hey, listen, you know, what about that full family policy? You know, and he'd be like, I'm working on my game plan for the Dolphins-Bills game, you know. And uh, by the way, you being a Buffalo guy, I love the Bills Mafia, all right? Because they are, they, what we say, they're, they're down for the game. And uh, nothing like a loyal group of people. You know, I'm an NFL fan. I love, uh, I love going to the cities, the different cities. Um, there were some that I like going to more than others. You know, you now live in Philly. Let me just say, being on the opposite side of, of a Philly stadium crew and being an opponent, and, and you'll find out just how friendly uh, and as loving uh, brotherly as as the city of Philly can be. Uh, it is uh, <laughs> it's impossible. <laughs> and yet, you know what? I wouldn't want it any other way. When you go to Philly, please understand you are the enemy if you are not an eagle. And if you are an eagle, you better play well, otherwise you'll be an enemy too. <laughs> That's so, true. They're like that with and, all their sports teams. See how they treated Ben Simmons. They got him up out of there. I, I was around uh, with Donovan McNabb, you know, was throwing the ball and, and uh hey that's that's fulfilling to deal with D back, but I love me some D back. And uh when they beat us in two thousand I was you know, I was working television uh for a post-game show for the Vikings back in 2008, uh, Philly came in and beat the the uh, uh, the Vikings, and I had a I had a little bit of an opportunity to walk up to and meet Donovan and, and talk to him and, and just let him know, hey, uh, I actually can respect you a lot better than what you did to us in 04 when you snowballed us after you know the NFC Championship game. So, but uh, yeah, D-backs a, a terrific cat. Uh, I always thought they kind of dogged him out a little too much, but you know what? That's Philly, man. And 
like I said, if you're an enemy, they, they'll let you know that you don't have to. You don't have to go around second guessing yourself. You are the enemy, and if you're not performing well in Philly, you might be the enemy that day too. That's Carson Wentz. I mean, that he's a North Dakota boy. He played there, and uh, you know he's a Washington now. So by way of Indianapolis. And once again, I want to thank Kevin for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. And I want to thank all of you for tuning into this episode. The 489th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk.